is that you have wasted an entirely good slot of time listening to the Neo-Anarchist Podcast. Before I go, I want to leave you with this. What I do is lonely. The number of people still trying to fight the good fight around here gets smaller every fragging day. Even smaller still is the number of runners who are bold enough, or loco enough, to share their experiences with others. It's a dangerous, thankless job, and only the hearers get the benefit. As for me, that's okay. I don't need accolades. I can compliment myself just fine. And as for danger, well, <laughs> it knows where to find me. I guess what I need to say, what I need to admit, is that I am just one man. A larger-than-life, fragging, bold, hoop-kicking, truth philanthropist of a man, but one man nonetheless. And unless you other runners step up and get your voices and stories out there, this movement may come to a crushing end. So here it is. Get your voices out there. All you black stars, little crows, Robin Hooders, heroes for hire, and all you shadow runners who are as mad as Drek and don't want to take it anymore, get loud, get active, and lend your voices to the shadows. I'm counting on you. The music serving as the background to Audible Anarchy was written by the legend Marshall Parker and reimagined by Unanimity 88. This was the Neo Anarchist Podcast, and I am your horrifying host, the Raven Shaman who is craving ramen, Opti. Enjoy your freedom, and then share it with others. Are we ready? Ready as we'll ever be, I suppose. sinless we are criminals and if you're listening well to the man that means you are too we are all of us deniable assets ladies and gentlemen metahumans of all colors creeds and sizes we are your hosts for this program coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in the seattle sprawl papa crow made a call to action and my partner and i felt compelled to answer that's mr clean and he's wolf Welcome to Deniable Assets. To start things off, there may be a few of you out there in the Matrix that are wondering, who in the nine hells are these chums? And why should I give a dreck about what they have to say? Well, that's a good question, Ome, and it deserves an answer. The Sixth World is a huge place, and the types of encounters an individual can have are as varied as the stars in the sky. Wolf and I have decided to start this program as a way to contribute to the cause, so to speak. Also, it's a little thing called Survivor's Guild. Now, Clean and I are not old men by any means, but we have, however, survived in the shadows for quite some time. I've been running for about 10 years now. Before all that, however, I was, and still am, a coyote. Granted, most of my cred does come from my smuggling, but I had originally started shadow running as a way to network and improve other skills. And who knows, maybe pick up a few new ones along the way. My experience is a little greater but not out of choice. I'll spare everyone the details of my sappy origin story, but I was first thrown in the pen at 12, because I stole a whole box of Milky Ways. I was in and out of Lone Star lockups for most of my youth. Eventually, my crimes elevated from candy bars to gold bars. I probably would have spent most time behind iron bars had it not been for my mentor. He 
showed me everything there was to know about robbing banks, armored cars, and just pulling off heists in general. I know Neil's not around anymore, but he'd slap me silly if I didn't give him credit for giving me the skills that I have today. Now you never told me the story about this gold heist. Because it hasn't happened, and it sounded better than saying candy bars to stacks of UCAS dollars. Now you were the one who actually introduced me to running full-time. Now I just finished a job in Seattle, running at about, I mean, well the specifics of the job don't really matter. It was guns though, lots of them. I just finished my delivery to these go-gangers, and I was thirsty. Now I've lived here in Seattle for quite a while, and there's a spot I like, Harris Hideaway. Shout out to Archie, the guy that runs the place. It's a nice little runner dive, old school and very retro. Only music they play there is smooth jazz. So if you're into that ear-splitting goblin rock, the place is probably not your speed. So I walk into the place and I sit down, thinking I'm just gonna have a couple of drinks, listen to the pretty holographic elf girls sing music from the early 20th, and then call it a day. But then in walks this guy in this super looking suit, comes over to my table, sits down, bold as brass, and smiles at me like a jackass. Oh, I see how it is. My first thought is, nah, chummer, Papa don't play that way. And I'm pretty sure my expression said it all because he just frowned and gave me a look that I've come to know all too well. Now, before I can say anything, he just shakes his head and asks me, hey, did you bring your van? I nod, my hand inching towards the gun on my hip. Then he just smiles and asks me if I want to hire on for a job. So he hands me a thumb drive. I slot it, scan over it, think, hell, I'll join up. It was this new group I had to run with. The fixer I was using at the time had difficulty placing me because on one mission, I geeked several, well, let's just call them racists. I didn't know that the group I was working with at the time was very anti-killing. Well, after that, a whole bunch of the other teams wouldn't take me on. So, it wasn't until my fixer found himself in possession of a new group of runners, kids really, that I got another chance. He asked me to take him on a few milk runs, help him get their feet wet, I think, fine, whatever. Well, these kids one night, they want to hang out with me, chum it up. Uh, so, I go ahead and I take him to hair. While we're there, Whitehall, the fixer, gives us a call. He's got an extraction job. Nothing fancy and also not very well paid. The other teams passed it off, so the young ones eagerly grabbed it up. Problem was, you needed a wheelman. Yeah. Alonzo, the only one who actually had wheels, needed to go home because his parents would get mad if he wasn't back before midnight. It was a school night after. So these kids are frantically calling everybody they can to try to get a wheel. Now, I own a car, but I'm not going to use it on a job. I have appearances to keep up in my neighborhood. Then in walks this shaggy-haired moron who looks like he just finished making out with a hellhound's backside. It's payback for calling you a jackass, isn't it? Maybe. I realize I've seen this guy before, and it starts bugging me, because I know he can help us get this done but I don't want to just walk up to him and sit down and strike up a conversation. Usually people go to a place like Harrah's to recharge and relax. But then I remember he helped my old heist crew move a bunch of stolen merchandise over the border into Salashi. So that's when I approach him and offer him the job of being our wheelman. We've been running together ever since. 10 years. So we've spoken about ourselves for a while, giving everyone listening to us the gist of our experiences so they can believe us when we say we're credible. Well, I vouch for me. 
sure you do. Before we move on, let me take this time to thank you for tuning in to Deniable Assets. Here, my partner and I try to pass on a little of the knowledge we've learned during our time as runners to help keep you alive and hopefully well paid. That's right, Wolf. Every night runners die because they make the wrong move or make a bad deal. While it's unavoidable that sometimes things just go wrong, it's our goal to impart a little understanding so that y'all can maybe spot the bright neon warning signs before you're the one lotting in an alleyway. Now, I've heard a few rules thrown around by people, and I think these are pretty good rules to live by, especially in the shadows. First up, watch your back. Now, the shadows can be a dangerous place, and it's filled with, let's be honest, some bad people. Go-gangers, Night Errant, Lone Star, insert other corporate strike teams here. You've also got Yakuza, Vori, Cartels, criminals of all stripes. And most of all, you've got other Shadowrunners. Now, if you're new and want to get into running, that's great and I'm happy for you. But you need to watch your back, especially with your team. Now, not everyone is looking to betray you, but there are those out there that will leave you to the wolves when the Drek hits the fan. Talk with your fixer, and there's a damn good chance that you aren't his only runner. Ask him about his other teams. Ask him what they're like. Now, don't be going asking for comm codes or anything. People do like their privacy. But ask him where their morals lie, and how do they handle situations when the situations get tough. Any fixer worth his salt is going to initiate this conversation with you before you do. So don't sweat it too. If they don't, and they get annoyed or upset with you for starting this little talk, then pack your bags, kid. That's not somebody with your best interests at heart. Now, a fixer's reputation is just as important as a runner's, sometimes more important. Most fixers are known for producing teams that are reliable for a few kinds of jobs. Rare is the fixer who manages to have teams that cover all of their bases. But as Clean said, when you first join them, they should initiate the conversation with you, or at the very least, ask for any contacts you may have so that they can get an unbiased opinion of you. If any of you are interested in gaining a good fixer, especially if you're a first-timer, we'll include links to temporary comm codes that will last until the end of the broadcast. Now, don't worry. If you're not listening to us live, we will include dead drop locations. Just leave a com code number and an envelope, and we'll put you in contact with somebody that's right up your alley. Just remember, if a fixer treats you like family, it's because they see you as something as more than a paycheck. These kinds of fixers might not have the most lucrative jobs, but they care. And when the dreck hits the fan, they'll still be there long after many others have run to the hills. Now, fixers are only part of the equation. The other part is your team. And this can go hand in hand with the fixer himself. Shadowrunners, I've noticed, tend to be reflections of their fixers for the most part. Now, there have been a few exceptions, but none really worth noting. Being wary is not a bad thing. Just don't treat your fellow Shadowrunners with a big brother-like suspicion, and they won't have the reason to throw you under the 25 bus. This is where it can get difficult. You have to watch not just your back, but also your teammates. Now, the problem of you getting stabbed in the back should be solved by your fixer. They aren't going to knowingly put you with people they think are going to jeopardize the run just to screw you over. Yes, but it's still a good idea to be optimistically wary of your new team until you've gotten at least a few runs under your belt with them. Hell, I stalk them when we aren't on missions. You stalk your teammates? Well, stalked is a strong word. Surveil. Yeah, that sounds better. No, it doesn't. Look, I observe people in their elements to gain a better understanding of who they are. 
It's not like answering 20 questions is going to fulfill that. I mean, it could. You know, you know this what? says Whatever. Well, Moving on. All right, fine. There's one final element that a runner must watch their back with, and this one goes for new hands and old hands alike. The Johnson. Mr. or Mrs., in some cases, Johnson, are the people giving you your job. They are the contract issuer, and the only thing in 99.9% .9 of cases binding them to that contract is their word. And let's be honest, it can't be trusted most of the time. Now, regrettably, Clean is right. Most Johnsons actually make it a habit of trying to screw you out of your hard-earned new yet. Many will leave out mission-critical details in their briefing, actively send multiple teams with the same objective, or simply try to get out of the deal by not paying you. Or they could be real douchebags and do all of these. That's not the worst. The worst about all of this is that you never know when they're going to try any of these. Sure, some Johnsons are known for certain tendencies. To them, especially the corporate Johnsons, this is all a game. But I believe there's enough about Johnsons that we could probably dedicate an entire episode just to them. You know, that's a real good idea. For the most part, your fixer will handle most of your initial employment requests for you, especially if you're a team of greenhorns. But there are the rare occasions where a Johnson will want to meet with the runners face to face to discuss business. All I can tell you is have a good face and let them do all or most of the talking. I think that's a good place to call it for today. You know, this really only scratches the surface of the first rule, but yeah, I think we can call it there. We hope you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of Deniable Assets. I hope that what we've shared with you this evening keeps you alive just that much longer. He's Wolf. And he's Mr. Clean. And this has been Deniable Assets. Good night and good running, chummers. The music for Deniable Assets is written and performed by Johnny and Claire and the Meltdowns. Support Deniable Assets team by donating to our Patreon.